You're listening to the Velocity Church Podcast. We hope this message encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. The title of today's message is, How Would Jesus Approach Politics in 2020? I know some of you, you heard politics. Some of you might be here and you might have not looked at the questions ahead of time. I, I got to tell you, this was the most voted on question out of all the questions, okay? This, this one was, was picked. Doesn't take you long to, to think through that and why, right? Um, but, but maybe some of you today, you're like, I didn't pick that question. And this kind of makes me a little bit uncomfortable here this morning. Uh, talking about politics. And, and uh, I, I want to say a couple things, okay? First off, uh, just to be com- completely clear on this, uh, we're not going to be talking about candidates today. We're not going to dive into that. We're not going to say, we like this person, we don't like this person, we don't like what that person does. We like what this person does. We're not diving into candidates today, okay? The message is about how would Jesus approach politics in 2020, okay? So this is what we're looking at. Also, if, if it makes you a little bit uncomfortable to hear that, I, I would just ask you to kind of think about this. Um, you know, right, right now we have public officials and, and, and folks that are, uh, you know, planning on implementing policies and, and in some ways directly contradict the word of God. So if the church just always concedes anything political can never get talked about, we've got to preach truth, church. Uh, we've got to be able to preach truth because at any given time, any political official or any politician can say something that stands in, in, in contrast with what God's word says. And so the church can't just concede that because it's now political. So we got to remember, truth is truth. The word of God is the truth. And that's what we're basing this message on today. And that's what we're founded on as a church. And that's what we're going to continue to stay into today. So we're going to preach on this today. And everybody, just go ahead and do this for me, okay? Uh, Just go ahead and reach over to your side. Go ahead and grab that buckle. Bring it right on over your waist. Strap in, okay? We're going to do this, all right? It's going to be good. So, so we're going to hit on four different points today, okay? We're going to frame this whole thing. And my, my hope is that as we look at these four different points, and if you're taking notes, you can write these down. I'm going to kind of hit on one at a time as we go through this. But my prayer today is as we look at these four different points, um, that, that we'll, this will be a good reminder for us. When it comes to division, when it comes to, um, and, and not only in politics, right, but just when it comes to division in general, right? Um, You know, every two to four years, uh, there's an election that rolls around, and you start to see the divisiveness and the tension on both sides, right? We've seen it, right? We've seen, all you have to do is turn on your TV, right? Or, or, you know, pull out your phone, look at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you start to see, see the different things. And so, but there's division that happens to outside of this particular issue. So I would just challenge you, as we approach this message today, just as division as a whole, and division as a whole, um, how the church really should respond in the face of that. So, um, like I said, I mean, we, we, we pull out our phones. You guys, you see it everywhere, everywhere, the tension, right? First point I want to hit on, we're going to jump right into this today, okay? First point I want to hit on is when it comes to politics, as Jesus followers, opting out is not an option, okay? Now, now opting out as the church is not an option. Let me, let me tell you something. We, we got folks on both sides of, of issues here, um, and you got some people who are just really passionate about politics. Like, hey, I'm ready to jump in, and I'm ready to fight, and I'm really ready to go at it. Then you've got people on the other side who are like, I just don't like the tension. I don't like, you know, what it does. I don't like the way it feels. And so, therefore, I, I don't really like a, a particular person, right? So, for therefore, I'm just going to opt out altogether. I'm not going to be involved. And as the church, 
we really don't have an option to just say, let's opt out. And I want to read this quote to you real quick, and we're going to hit scripture here on this, because I, I want to kind of, I want to show you what I'm talking about here. A quote from uh, Tim Keller, who's a pastor, um, he wrote this, and he was actually asked this question, and then he wrote this. I thought it was, it, was, it was said very well. They said, what should the role of Christians in politics be? said, more people than ever are asking that question, but Christians cannot pretend they can transcend politics and simply preach the gospel. Listen, those who avoid all political discussions and engagement are essentially casting a vote for the social status quo. Whatever happens, happens. American churches in the early 19th century that didn't speak out against slavery because that's what we would now call getting political were actually supporting slavery by doing so. To not be political is to be political. Okay, so when we just say, ah, I'm not going to do it, opting out is actually opting into whatever happens. Okay, it's just opting into, hey, it is, it is what it is. That kind of whatever happens, happens mentality. I'm good with the status quo, and, and, and we're not called to do that. I want to show you in Scripture where it talks about this directly. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 7. God's people are, are in exile. They're in an in, in unfamiliar land. They're in foreign land, and this is what God tells his people. This, listen to what he says. He says, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Pray to the Lord for prosperity in your city. Church, what, what, what's it saying there? That we should desire that our communities that we live in, our city, is prospering on every level. We should desire that it flourishes. We should want uh, our, our communities to flourish. Okay, and so wh why do I say that? Wh wh why is that important? Because if we just say, let's just opt out altogether, then we're not using our seed of faith that we can plant in truth. Okay, so we're called to plant a seed of faith in truth in what God's word says. And so when we just say, I'm not going to do it, it's not for me, we're just saying whatever happens, happens. And I'm just, you know, I know what truth is and I know, but you know what, I'm just good with whatever, right? So, so just again, opting out as the church is not an option for us when it comes to this discussion, okay? Amen? Amen. Point number two, okay, we're going to roll through this, right? We are Jesus followers first. Come on. Come on, somebody. We are Jesus followers first. Amen. All right. Amen. You know, you know, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of dive into this here in just a second, but you need to know that when Jesus walked the face of this earth, did you know that it was heated politically? It's a very, very tense time. Uh, we see the heat today, right, very clearly. Jesus, when he walked this earth, it was heated when it came to politics. Why was it so heated? Because you had the Jewish leaders, the, the, the religious leaders and the Pharisees on one side, uh, and, and then on the other side, you had the Roman Empire, okay? And so you had the Jews, and the Romans were asking the Jews to pay a tax. We, we, we need you to pay this tax. Now, the issue that the Jews had with that was that essentially those tax dollars that are coins that they were paying to the Romans we're paying for Jewish crucifixions. You can see how they wouldn't want any part of that, right? Why are we paying a tax? Why are we submitting? Why are we paying this tax, right? So it was a very um, heated time when it comes to politics when Jesus was walking the face of this earth. And there's a portion of scripture here that is very, very clear in how Jesus responds in, with a very political question. 
Okay, he gets asked a question. It's very, very political. Um, and so this is in Mark chapter 12, verse 13 through 17. And I'm going to read this to you. Uh, well, what's going on here? It says, if, you're, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Mark 12. It'll be up on, it should be up on the screen. But it says, Later, they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. To catch Jesus in his words. You like that? Yeah. <laughs> Does that sound like politics to you? Yeah. <clears throat> they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to catch Jesus, to catch him in his words. They came to him and said, Teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Now, here's the question they ask, and I want you to listen to this question close in the language. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? But Jesus knew their hypocrisy, and listen to what Jesus says. Why are you trying to trap me, he asked. Nice try, right? Jesus knew. Have you ever heard of a question behind a question? You know what I'm talking about? There's really an underlying question that's behind this question. They're asking him, Jesus, should we pay the taxes or not? But what's the question? What's the answer that they're really looking for? Jesus, are you on our side or are you on their side? Whose side are you going to take? Are you going to tell us to pay taxes? What did you come here for, Jesus? Is this a political revolution, Jesus? Did you come to overthrow the Romans and to take it by force? Is that why you're here, Jesus? They're trying to figure Jesus out. So he says, why are you trying to trap me? He says, bring me a denarius and let me look at it. So they brought the coin and he asked them, and I want you to hear this really clear. Listen to this. Whose image is this? Get this picture. He's got a coin. He's holding it up. This coin they brought him. Whose image is this? And whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then Jesus said to them, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And they were amazed at him. Now we've heard this story many times, but I want you to hear the language he chose. Whose image is on this coin? It's Caesar's image. So give back to Caesar what was made in his image, but give to God what was made in God's image. Who's made in the image of God, church? We. Genesis says we are made in the image of God. So what's Jesus saying here? He's saying, yeah, give to Caesar, pay, pay your taxes. Okay, we're not for anarchy here, right? Pay your taxes, give to Caesar what Caesar's, because my kingdom has come for your heart, for your soul. My kingdom is not of any kingdom like this world. So can we just praise God for that right now? Can we just thank Jesus that his kingdom, thank him for his kingdom. It's not an earthly kingdom, but he's come. And, 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 and he, he is after the heart and soul of every man, woman, and child. That is what his kingdom is, is here for. He's like, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Pay your taxes. But give to God what was made in his image. It's us. The reason I talk about this passage here is because it's very, very apparent when you read that, that they were trying to trap Jesus. Okay, they were trying to trap him. He, he asks that question, why have you tried to trap me? They were trying to confine him to a side. Now, this is going to challenge you, some of you today, okay? And this is okay, okay? This is what we're, 
what we're here for, right? This is, this is challenging to think through. But when we say we are Jesus followers first, we agree with that, yeah. right? We're Jesus followers before we're Republicans and Democrats. We, we have to know that. We have to always come at that perspective and that angle, that we are Christians first, Jesus followers first. So what does that mean? I'm going to challenge you a little bit. This is, this, is, this is challenging right here. That means that there ought to be times, okay, where, where it's okay that the side that we identify with the most, all right, the side that we believe is for truth the most, this side or this side, wherever you're at today, there ought to be times where we look at that and we look at it from the word of God first as a Jesus follower and we say, I don't know if I completely agree with that. Doesn't mean I'm not gonna stand for this side if this side is for truth. But church, we've gotta be very clear today that we, we are Jesus followers first. I, I've got an illustration I wanna make for you here. Because the world often, um, the world often, as Christians, I'm gonna be real loud with this, okay? We've got our lenses on, okay? You like the pink? All right. So it says politics, right? I didn't look at it before I picked it up. We put our politics lens on, and then, and then we look at our faith often through the lens of our politics first. So we go, we go uh, okay. And so what we try to do, and, and if we're not careful, what we can try to do is, whoop, we can try to make, make our faith fit our politics. And this is how we view, and, and look, we, we say, ah, I don't know if I do that, but we've got to be really careful. We've got to be really honest, okay? And, and we, we put our politics lens on, and we look at faith, and we go, yeah, yeah, I see that, and we try to make this conform to this. That's not the way that Christ called us to live. We're Jesus followers first. Now let me put the other one on for the picture. All right, this is how we are called to live as Christ followers. Through a faith lens first, we look at politics, okay? Through a faith lens per first, when it comes to these issues, we are looking through the word of God first. Why? Because we are Jesus followers first. We follow Jesus before any man or woman, okay? All right, we, we have to, we always have to carry that perspective, no matter what, no matter what. We have to look through the lens of faith first at our politics. Point number three I want to hit on is, is that we must pray for unity. Now, this is what Jesus, just something that I'm like, eh, sounds like a good idea. Let's pray for unity. Now, this is what Jesus prayed for. Right before Jesus was arrested, what did he do? He prayed for unity. Why? Because Jesus was looking in the future, okay? He's, he's looking ahead of time because he's king of kings and he's lord of lords and he can do that. And he's telling his, his church in 2020 that, that if the church becomes divided, that is Satan's tactic to destroy the church of Jesus. It's to bring in division. So we must pray for unity. And I want to read the scripture to you. John chapter 17 verse 11 Jesus is praying to the Father, and this is what he says. He says, I will remain in the world no longer, 
but they are still in the world. I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name. That's God's protection for you this morning. Come on, you should, should be excited about that. He was praying for your protection before he was arrested, before he would be crucified. He was declaring protection ahead of you. By the power of your name and the name you gave me, listen what he says, so that they may be one as we are one. Jesus prayed for unity in the church because he knew that Satan would love nothing more than to use politics to divide the church. In church, we have to look different in the world than the world. We got to look different. We can't just look the same. Can't use the same approach. That we ought to look different. And we've got to stay connected. We've got to stay unified as a church. And then we've got to pray for unity. You know, I think... Too often we fight at the wrong level. We're fighting people. We need to be fighting the spirit. The battle's not in the flesh. So we got to look at this from the right perspective that we've got to start praying in the spirit against what the enemy would try to do to attack our nation, okay? Against ungodliness. We need to be praying against wickedness, against evil. So we should be declaring this. And what does that mean? We need to be, the church of Jesus right now needs to be getting on our knees before an almighty God. And we need to be declaring that an ambush of angels, right, over the demonic force that would try to come in and, and, and attack our country and attack our nation. Why? Because, why? Because the battle's in the spirit. And so many times we get off fighting in the flesh and we're like, I'm gonna win it in the flesh and I'm gonna win it by telling this person, the battle's in the spirit. So listen to me. We can stand for truth while we love people that think drastically to our prayer. And we pray in the spirit. Let's take some passion to our prayer closet. Okay? Let's stand for truth. We don't ever forsake truth. Ever. Right? And the word of God is very clear that the Lord does not delight in evil and neither should we. Okay? So we always stand for truth. But let's take the passion to, to prayer, right? We've got to pray and we've got to believe for unity and the church must stay strong. Why? Why was he praying for unity? Because Jesus said that, he said that the world would come to know Jesus, would know the love of Jesus because of the unity in the church. And if our call is to reach this lost, broken world and if our call is to reach people with the truth of Jesus, we must be united as a church. We are Jesus followers first, okay? Opting out is not an option. We are Jesus followers first. We must pray for unity. And point number four is this. We must vote for righteousness. Amen? What does that mean? That means uh, that we, we, policies that contradict the word of God stand against what God is for. That must bear weight as the church and the choices that we make and the decisions that we make. And what am I going to sow my seed into? We've got to ask ourselves that question. I'll read to you Psalm 33, 12. It's not going to be up there, but it says this. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. So we, our desire should be, amen, amen. Come on, give God praise on that. Our desires for this country, that God would remain the center of this nation, okay? As the church of Christ as Jesus followers, 
We must always use our voice and our vote to advocate that our country will remain one nation under God, okay? So, so this, is, this is where we're at as a nation, right? And look, we've got to look, we've got to look at Scripture in an honest way. We've got to look at what's going on, what's going on. Because opting out isn't an option. Which side of your life issues, okay? We've got to look at both sides and we've got to say, which side is in contradiction to the Word of God? And there might be a little bit on both. Okay? That doesn't mean that we're not called to act and we're not called to sow seed in faith and remaining centered on Jesus and that our nation would always remain one nation under God. I want to read to you Isaiah 9, 6 through 7 because this is a scripture that typically we read at Christmas. And so some of you, I know it's September and you're, you're like, you're already getting your fall stuff out. I put my fall stuff out this week, right? But this is going to bring you a little bit. You're going to be ready for Christmas after we read this. But listen to what it says. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the what? The what? The government will be on his shoulders. Just praise God for that right now. The government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will have the highest approval rating, okay? Jesus is coming back, okay? Our, the church, Jesus is king and he's going to return and he's going to make all that's wrong in the world, he's going to make right. And anything that people think is right in their own eyes, he's going to reveal the evil, okay? Jesus is coming back. He is king of kings. He is lord of lords. And ultimately, one day, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Come on. That Jesus Christ is lord. Do you believe that this morning? He's going to come back. He's not going to ask for our vote, okay? He will come back. And it will be perfect, so I want to hit on these again from the, from the get-go. Opting out is not an option. Why? Because political issues are real-life issues. And when we opt out, we're opting into whatever happens, and we don't want that. Right? We are Jesus followers first. We follow Jesus first, and we've got to be willing to look through the lens of our faith at our politics, not our politics lens looking at our faith to fit what we would like. Point number three, we got to pray as the church. We got to get on our knees. We got to pray for unity. And we got to believe that the church of Jesus Christ will stay united together as one. We've got to declare that. We've got to speak that. We can stand for truth. We can love people that think radically different than us. And we can pray in the spirit. And then lastly, we got to vote for righteousness. We've got to vote for, we got to vote based on the biblical standard. One day Jesus is going to return. And once again, all rights, all rights, things that in the eyes of people, remember this, things that were, that were right in the eyes of others. Father, I just right now, I, I, I declare the unity, God, a unifying message. God, the, 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 the prayer that you prayed before you were arrested, Lord, that we would remain one, God. God, I pray that we would begin to fight on the right level. We'd know that the battle is not in the flesh, but Lord, the battle is in the spirit. And God, we, we rebuke any wickedness, any evil thing that would try to come against your truth, God. Your truth. 
not our truth, your truth, Lord, that we would declare uh, against evil, God, that we would stand for righteousness and that, God, we would love people that think radically different than we do, people that we deeply, deeply disagree with, that, God, the church would look different and, God, we would still love unconditionally people who look different, sound different, talk different, believe different than us. The church of Jesus Christ welcomes all. We stand for truth. And we pray in the spirit. So God, right now, we bind. We know words are powerful. So we bind any wickedness. You don't delight in it. So we speak against it. Anything that's not of you, God, we rebuke it. We speak against it. We stand on your word and we stand for truth. We're not gonna allow the division of this world to creep into our church. We're not gonna allow the things going on outside to make us love politics more than you or to put politics before you. We're Jesus followers first. We love you, we praise you, and we honor you for what you're gonna do. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen.